0: For some reason, the world is fascinated with twins, and has been for a long time. The Romans had Romulus and Remus, and today we have, well, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. But seriously, twins and lookalikes are a big deal in society. The fascination with them has been highlighted in many movies and television shows, including The Patty Duke Show. Meet
1: Kathy, who lit most every
0: from Zanzibar to
1: Barclay Square But Patty's only seen the sights a girl can see from Brooklyn Heights What a crazy
2: pair But they're cousins, identical cousins all
0: the way There's also a lot of literature out there that involves twins or lookalikes. I can think of Mark Twain's The Prince and The Pauper. Good morning, I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape. On this morning's show, twins and the closest thing to them, doppelgangers. Psychotherapist Joan Friedman has a lot of experience with twins. Not only is Joan an identical twin herself, she's the mother of fraternal twins. Joan's also the author of a new book on parenting twins. It's called Emotionally Healthy Twins, A New Philosophy for Parenting Two Unique Children. She recently dropped by our studios to talk about it. Dr. Friedman, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You yourself are a twin.
1: I'm an identical twin. That's correct.
0: What was that like for you growing up?
1: Parts of it were wonderful, and parts of it were difficult because nobody knew who I was except I was a twin. So not being known for myself as I grew, grew older, got to be a little bit difficult.
0: Now, you have firsthand experience being a mom of twins as well.
1: Yes, I do. And when I found out I was having twins, I freaked out. My husband goes, well, at least it's not triplets. So at least they were fraternal twins and not identical twins, which is a different experience. And they were boys. So I was definitely up to the challenge and wanted to use that experience to kind of redo and go over what I felt I didn't get or what I needed.
0: I find it kind of funny that you say that you had twins because in your book you say that you shouldn't say (laughs) I'm having twins. You should say I'm having two babies.
1: That is true. I do say that, but I am, like most people, I fall into this kind of automatic, you know, kind of just issue of saying I have twins because it's just what everybody does. And you're absolutely right. I stand corrected and I may do it again, but let let me know.
0: (laughs) Why is it important to say I'm having two babies?
1: Because twins, just as I showed you, is some sort of very generic term that when people hear it, they automatically project and assume a lot of things about the people that you're talking about. And if you say two babies as opposed to twins, I think people are apt to kind of listen to you and hear more of a sense of their own uniqueness rather than lumping them together as a unit or a dyad that sort of the word twin connotes.
0: You offer advice in the book on how you should break the news to people that you're having these two babies.
1: Yes, I do. And of course, a lot of people think it's rather absurd. My book is really sort of um, a lot of metaphor and a lot of practical issues about how to begin to have a mindset to think about two different babies, not using the word twins and trying to educate yourself and those around you that you want your babies to be regarded and, and taken in as unique beings on their own.
0: Did you do that initially when you found out that you were having twins?
1: I think intuitively or instinctively I did. Um, And then when I began to do groups for moms of twins, that's when I really began to sort of solidify my own thoughts and feelings and directions about what I wanted to do. I'm sure that I used to call them the boys or the babies and probably did not refer to them as twins.
0: Your main point of advice to parents of twins is that from the very beginning, you should treat your twins as two separate children who happen to be born at the same time. That's what you say.
1: I have had some criticism of people that have read the book feeling as if that I am in some way sort of I'm not really appreciating the special sibling bond that twins have. But actually, though it may seem counterintuitive, when you do take babies and you treat them as unique individuals and don't lump them into a single dyadic unit. You're absolutely creating two unique selves that will actually be closer than you might expect than babies that are always assumed as you know being joined at the hip and being so close.
0: You talk about this in the book, how twins are romanticized in our society.
1: They're so idealized. I mean, I can't imagine the questions. Oh, you have ESP. Oh, you have a soulmate. Oh, you're never alone. Oh, you have a playmate. Oh, you're so fortunate. Just a lot of these kinds of projections very idealized about what it's like to have somebody in your space <laughs> 24-7, which as most of us know, having somebody in your space 24-7 is not a wonderful feeling. Often you want to have your own space, your own mom and dad, your own toys, your own room. Twins have to share the womb, the inner uterine environment, their mom it is a very difficult experience to feel like you don't have something that's kind of solely yours.
0: I'm sure Hollywood hasn't helped.
1: <laughs> Hollywood has really. J-Lo, she had her whole twin bliss list about, you know, the great things about, you know, having twins. Hollywood is just really... Made the whole thing a lot more difficult,
0: and the way twins are depicted, even in cartoons like The Simpsons.
1: Oh, the cartoons! all the you know the all the the Olsen twins, and look what happened to them. It's so funny. I read an article about a few years ago. They want to be seen as individuals, and they've spent their entire life, and their fortune has been made by being twins. So it's sort of like too late if you don't start this process early on. You can't expect people to regard you as an individual by the time you're a young adult. It's not. Not going to happen.
0: research has even shown that identical twins are not necessarily Identical, right?
1: Yes, it's so interesting. Of course, no one believes this. Everyone thinks that identical twins are a clone. In fact, I had an interview yesterday, and the woman said, well, identical twins are born with exactly the same personality, right? And I said, no. I said, they have different temperaments. And now, you know, the um, scientific community is telling us that as twins age, there is epigenetic changes, and these means that there are changes on a cellular level. That's often why adult twins do not look at as alike as they get older, because the environment interacts with these chemical pieces of their genetics. And as they get older, they don't look exactly like, though often identical twins do when they're born.
0: You are right in the book that you should start relating to your twins as separate individuals from the moment you find out you're pregnant. We already mentioned that you should say, I'm having two babies. Mm-hmm. But you also recommend that you should talk to your children in the womb differently.
1: If you start talking to them as two different babies as opposed to twins you're already at that point establishing the parent child bond with both babies which is really the crux of my whole philosophy is that each child has to be attached to a mother and a father and If you attach as a triad, which is one baby, one baby, and then the mom, as opposed to a baby and the mom and baby and the mom, that really promotes, you know, healthy development, you know, as the life progresses.
0: And you shouldn't characterize your twins as, well, this was the one that moved around a lot in my womb. This was the good one, et cetera.
1: As everyone knows, it's hard not to label. We all do that. But labels have to be taken in as descriptions and not permanent traits. Uh, I think so often as these labels get so permanent in people's minds that it, it doesn't allow them to have a more fluid sense of how babies and children's change as they grow.
0: So the babies are born, and I'm sure the first instinct of a lot of people is to dress them alike
1: you know, you would think it wouldn't be anymore. There's been so much stuff about don't name them the same, don't dress them the same. And I think people have changed or evolved a lot into doing that. But the names are still the same. Haley and Hannah, Jacob and Joshua, people just cannot seem to get away from the fascination with this alliteration and this pairing of the names. And it's so much better when you can name someone Matilda and Parker. I just heard that name combination the other day. (laughs) I thought it was great.
0: And you say, be upfront about the baby shower gifts. Please don't bring two of the same of everything.
1: And you know what? Some people don't pay any attention. They can't resist. They bring it anyway because it is so cute to see them dressed alike. But People can be educated not to.
0: How important is it for parents of twins to spend alone time with each of those babies?
1: It is, for me, the most important thing. People hear what I have to say, and they say, it, you know, it's so difficult to take care of two babies at one time. How can I possibly do this? I, I don't have any help. I have no one to leave them with. How can I take one and not take the other? If you have no limited resources, you can take one into another room and be with them and feed them, or you might be able to take one out for a walk while your husband's home. I always recommend a single stroller. This gives you, again, another concrete external metaphor that you have one baby you're relating to, you're spending time with, and this is how an attachment evolves. And you feel like you're really getting to know your baby and vice versa. And it also helps to alleviate Parents of twins are racked with guilt about not being able to be attached to both babies in the same way. So they get caught up in feeling things are unfair and unequal. They spend less time with the baby who doesn't cry as much, more time with the baby who cries more. It's unequal. They feel overwhelmed. They feel bad. Alone time helps you to... Try to gauge yourself and have a more consistent relationship with each one. And I think over time it helps the parents just as much as it helps the child.
0: You say that you should expect to have different feelings for each child.
1: Yes, because every child is a different personality, a different temperament, different. F- qualities about a baby they're going to attract you or not. And instead of feeling like you should feel the same, you welcome the fact that you feel different because all of these differences help you over time differentiate each baby.
0: Getting back to what you were talking about earlier about the importance of having that alone time with your twins. If you don't do that, then you're going to force the twins, correct, to have too close of a relationship because they won't feel that close to the parents?
1: That's exactly right. They create a very powerful duo where their peers that end up parenting each other rather than having the parent parent, they really exclude the parent to an enormous degree and the parent really loses their power and the twins themselves end up sort of facing the world on their own. This is on the pathogenic side, but the very enmeshed twins can end up going to nursery school school, they won't talk to anyone else, they will stay by themselves, and they will be living in their own internal world with one another. And it's a very serious problem that has to be dealt with, hopefully, very early on. Otherwise, it just continues.
0: Another thing that you recommend to allow your children to develop separate identities is to hold separate birthday parties.
1: Everyone has a birthday. (laughs) And who wants to share the most special day of their life when you're a child? So you want to have your own birthday, your own cake. You know, always tell parents to sing happy birthday twice. Parents... Uh, It feels like an enormous imposition to have two separate birthdays. But again, if it's low-key, you can do it. It can be done. And I think it's something that, you know, twins growing up really end up appreciating because they want their own specialness to be celebrated themselves. One less thing to have to share.
0: There's a chapter in your book devoted specifically to the relationship between fathers and twins.
1: Moms are so overwhelmed with two babies. It is just an overwhelming ordeal. And They are so upset, I think, often about feeling out of control and not masterful and not being able to handle everything on their own. They resent not being in charge. So there's an expectation, a wish, a fantasy that their husbands will recognize and just come home from work, you know, drop everything they're doing and rescue them. So there's so much marital discord that happens right after twins are born, basically because of the moms feeling so overwhelmed and wanting their husband to help and to rescue. And many husbands do help, but so many of the moms are so critical about the kind of help that they're given that the fathers understandably just go, well, sorry, you know what, you're criticizing me, I'm trying to help, you know, do it your way. I think I've saved a number of marriages (laughs) in my groups along the years, kind of helping moms navigate this very difficult time because it's so hard.
0: It could put a lot of strain on a relationship, no doubt.
1: I mean, parenting one child does, especially when you have your first. It's just a whole new configuration of you, mom, dad, and the baby. It's hard enough. But mom, dad, and two babies tremendous amount of stress
0: breastfeeding a good thing or a bad thing with twins
1: you know what it is such an individual choice i feel so bad so many of my moms come in and they feel so i feel terrible i didn't breastfeed i tried i really wanted to it was too hard and they are so down on themselves which i have such a hard time understanding because you know it's really about what what's the best thing you can do for yourself? Moms have to keep themselves in good shape. They have to do the best they can. They ha- they are so depleted taking care of these babies. They have to do whatever is best for them. But they feel guilty because they feel like breastfeeding is best for babies. That's what we're all told. And, yes, it's it's true. But with two or more babies, what the mom can handle, what makes her feel like she's doing a good job, That's what's important. And having breastfed my children and also doing the bottle, I can attest to you that they all turn out fine. But when you're in those infant times and you feel like you should or you have to or you sh- you need to breastfeed, you put yourself under enormous pressure. And I wish moms of multiples wouldn't do that for themselves because it's difficult enough.
0: I would think, though, that if you didn't breastfeed, then you're giving your husband more of an opportunity to get involved.
1: That's if you haven't driven him away already by being <laughs> so critical of the way he's holding the bottle. (laughs) But yes, when you have a husband who's willing to help and you're nice, having your your spouse involved is wonderful. That's what my spouse did. He was great. He was able to bottle feed one, and I could do the other one, and it's an enormous help. Any extra pair of hands, anyone you can get your hands on is so helpful.
0: What about growing up as a twin, though, for the kids themselves? I would imagine there's an enormous amount of pressure to... Keep in line with your sibling. If your sibling does well in math, then gee, I should be doing well in math too. If your sibling is good at sports, then I should be good at sports too.
1: Well, I think for identical twins, they're much more apt to be very much in sync with one another. And you often hear that identical twin pairs are, you know, they're athletes or they're, they're, they, they do they get 1800 on the SATs they both get the same score I think there's this built-in competitiveness they're both kind of evenly skilled and they often excel in many ways because they thrive from the competition that they have with one another for better or worse fraternal twins again they have different genetic makeups they're usually often not the same they have they, one might be good in sports one might have a better academic record so there really is a lot of differences with fraternal twins. And it's very important to recognize those differences and appreciate each child for their own talents and their own skills.
0: And encourage them to go off on their own and do their own thing, make their own friends, pick their own schools when they're ready for college, et cetera.
1: Parents seem to feel that this idea of splitting twins up is is tantamount to being King Solomon. In actuality, it's the best thing for their children because children grow up, they have to be singletons. That's what we call people. So they're not twins. or are singletons. And singletons are expected, just like other children, to go off on their own. They're supposed to go to nursery school. They're going to go to kindergarten. They're going to go to camp. They're going to go to, I don't know, sleepaway to people's homes. They're expected to be able to be on their own and to function. Well, twins who've not had enough opportunities to be separated are not equipped to do these kinds of things. They have to be socialized in a very sensitive way to be separated from their twin and to be separated from their parents. It's almost a double separation that they have to go through. And if parents don't understand the importance of this, by the time they reach adolescence or young adulthood, their children are very critical Emotionally, because they can't go to college by themselves, and they don't feel like an individual on their own.
0: You have a story in your book there with a little girl who was at a playground with her parent, and she ran to the playground to play with other kids. And her sister didn't want to do that, and her sister felt pretty bad. And the parent also had conflicting thoughts: Should I pull her back? What do I do?
1: You know, this comes up so often. The parent did do the right thing, as I say in the book, which was allow that girl who wanted to leave and be on her own to have that experience and to handle the child that was crying that didn't want her sister to leave. This is one of the most important points. If parents don't understand that... Too much twin togetherness is really detriment to each one's development. They have to be able to let the child who wants to go, go. And they have to let the child who wants to hang on to her sister realize that she might be upset and she might be overwhelmed, but she can't hold on to her sister. It creates excessive interdependency and enmeshment that doesn't allow either twin to evolve into their own unique selves.
0: These are, of course, all very important issues to talk about because more and more people are having twins these days.
1: Yes, all these older moms that have delayed having children, so many are having multiples, and all the you know infertility treatments, so many multiples. So it's really an epidemic. I was doing my research. New Jersey is number three on the list of the top ten seven states, and New York is number seven. So I don't know what's happening on the East Coast, but
0: <laughs> well, more
1: twins In either case, a very
0: important book for our listenership because we're heard in New York and we're heard in New Jersey.
1: Well, perfect then.
0: Dr. Joan Friedman, the book is called Emotionally Healthy Twins, A New Philosophy for Parenting Two Unique Children. Thank you so much for coming in.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You're tuned to Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Even if you're not a twin you may still have a double. There's an age-old belief that somewhere in the world, alive today, is someone who looks a lot like you. Canadian photographer Francois Brunel is compiling a collection of photos of lookalikes from across the globe. I chatted with him about the project. Francois, good morning. Yes, good morning. Tell us about your lookalike project.
2: It's about uh, people looking uh, the same, so being uh, lookalikes. And not being related, so uh, someone looks like another person, but there is no uh, relationship uh, between them at all, like family ties or whatever. But they happen to look the same, and sometimes uh, someone comes to them and say, "Hi, Robert," and the guy says, "Would say, I'm uh, I'm Edgar. I'm not Robert." In much cases, they are confusion uh, between people, and that's a pretty funny, a funny thing, in fact. But uh, more seriously, it's about. Uh, what you are, if you look like someone else, then are you like that other person or not? That's a, that's a big question. <laughs>
0: in German, the name for a lookalike is doppelganger. We also use that word now in English. What about in French?
2: Yes, in French, it's uh, Susie. And Susie is the name of a character uh, that was written in a Latin play. And Susie was uh, was imitated by uh, the god Mercury, and Mercury would, uh, would imitate him. And so uh, Suzy, so this man Suzy would uh, would think that uh, Mercury was himself, uh, you know, more than than him. So he would say, "You look so much like me that I think you are me." And so it's uh, it's an old name, and uh, it's used in the, in Spanish and in Italian as well. The, the same thing, but in English, the the word "look alike" is very popular in in England, particularly. It's the German version of the the appellation, which is a a doppelganger, and if you ever meet uh, your doppelganger in, uh, in the German uh, uh, mythology, then you die instantly, uh, both of you.
0: <laughs> yeah, some people are very superstitious about this. They feel like <laughs> it's meeting your evil twin.
2: Yeah, that's it. That, but that's a, that's a German uh, you know, fantasy, but uh, for us, a North American, it's just a funny thing. <laughs> what attracted you to this project? First, I was told I would look like a certain certain Mr. Bean, but I'm not a TV watcher, so I didn't know... uh who that thing was at all, and then one uh, one <laughs> evening, yes, yeah, sure. So, I, Mr.
0: Bean is your doppelganger.
2: Yes, yes. Well, supposedly, well, when I was younger, I I didn't have a beard and I used to to wear a tie all the time. But so one day, I, I I saw myself on television and I couldn't believe my eyes. I said, "My God!" I I thought it was me and I looked so ridiculous. And up to that time, I thought I would look like uh, Mr. Dean, James Dean, not Mr. Bean. <laughs> so uh, I had a kind of shock. And all, uh, on top of that, I used to. To see those lookalikes all over the the place, whenever I travel or I walk around town, I just notice people and say, my God, this this man looks like my brother or this man looks like uh, uh, somebody else or this lady looks like uh, some other lady I know. I I keep finding them all the time, you know, it it never ends. So I thought I would do a project where I would get them together, those lookalikes that I know and that I would find and I would... uh, do a, a picture of them together and I uh, would show that to, to other people to, to for fun, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an artist uh, project
0: <laughs> but it's expanded outside of your circle beyond people that you know
2: yes, absolutely, oh yes it, but because at first I, I was limited because I knew maybe uh, 25 or 30 couples that I knew and only uh, maybe 10 of them were available because some had moved or some had deceased or some didn't look the same uh, uh, at, at this point, so I, I started to, uh, to to look around and ask people, and uh, put some ads in the, the newspapers, and the, and then uh, the the final uh, touch was to to ask the media to help me, and I got uh, good results with that, and I, I found uh, I found hundreds of uh, lookalikes uh, around the world, and even in the, the in the United States, I think I got. Uh, I was on a TV show and I I got, I think, 2,000 responses in one week (laughs) by email. That was, you know, amazing.
0: I'm still a little confused as to how you get these people together. Uh, I would imagine that sometimes they don't even know each other until they get to your studio.
2: That's true. That's true. That's most of the cases. And uh, so to get them together is the tricky part. You have to talk to each of them. And then make sure that they're uh, available and they're in the same city. And then uh, you have to bring them together for a photo session. And then most of the time they meet for the first time. Some of them are already friends because of that. You know, they become friends because they they were told they look like that uh, other person. And then they meet and then they they keep in touch and things like that. But in in, uh, lots of cases, people never met before. It's uh, either the husband or the uh, the wife who told the uh, the other person that there was a, a likeliness, and then they meet for the first time and they are very very curious about how looks the the other person. You know, they 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 step into the studio or the the place where. I, I do the, the photo and they they're just curious to see what is the other person exactly, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs>
0: Let me stop you there for a second though cuz I'm still a little bit confused. So primarily these people are living within the same
2: vicinity is that how you're able to track them down? Uh yes, ideally so, but not all, all the time. Sometimes I would I'm I'm, I'm told that uh, you know, I get a letter and the lady would say I I look like this uh, woman and but she lives in uh, you know, three states away. But uh, eventually, I will go there, or she will come here, or she, you know, we we can travel or not. It, it's uh, I've I've got lots of uh, of cases, but in the best case, in the best cases, they live in the same town, which is easier, or they live in two towns that are not so far apart. You so know? you
0: have some information that can lead you to this other person. Oh yeah,
2: yes, I, I guess I get that through the the sorry, I get that through, through the website, uh, youlookalike.com. Uh, people go there and then they put their name and they write me a letter and, they, and then we get to exchange uh, information back and forth. It, it takes a few uh, a few weeks and months sometimes and years at other times to get together and do the final shot. But it's worth it, really. It's really interesting. <laughs> Are some people resistant? They don't want to meet their doppelganger. Uh, I guess yes, yes. It's uh, it's not very often, but most of the people they like the experience. Like I, I never experienced. Of the 170 pairs I photograph, I never experience uh, some uh, deception or people will say, oh, my God, I regret doing that or it's not what I thought. No, They always amuse and, uh, and uh, seduce by the other, other person that looks like them. Yeah, what's it, it like
0: when they walk into your studio and for the first time they see someone who is totally unrelated who looks like them?
2: they look puzzled you know they look at each other like they were two uh, two animals you know trying to see who, which one is going to move first you know and then they say yes and, they, and then they look very strongly in their own eyes they scrutinize the other person like mad <laughs> to be to be frank it's really interesting to see that, you know.
0: Do some of them not see the similarities and say, this person looks nothing like me?
2: Oh, yes, this happens uh, a lot, uh, lots of time. Even a, a good friend of mine who lives in New York now, he came to, uh, he took two years to, to have them together anyway. So, uh, And after the photo session, my friend told me, you know, Francois, The other person doesn't look like me at all. And then I I started to laugh because they look so much the same. I couldn't believe it, you know. But for some people, they they don't see it. And some others, they, they do. It's very, very funny.
0: You mentioned earlier the big question is whether these people are different in personality. How different are they, have you found, the folks that you've met and photographed?
2: each individual is unique but still if they, if they have some of the looks you know uh, they have some of the uh, the habits and things like that if if like you're very tall and uh, you know uh, very strong and you have blue eyes and blonde hair you, you know the, your your experience of life is uh, is uh, is one thing you know and so if another man is is like that then his experience of life would be some of the same but not all the same because then you have family and and the way you're raised, and the culture, and everything. But uh, there's something in common, I guess. Francois, you shoot in black and white. Why is that? When you look at a portrait in black and white, you only see the features of the uh, the character, you know? Like, uh, if I look at your picture in black and white, I can see he looks like a gentleman. He is, uh, he's, uh, he's strong. He's... Uh, he- sharp and everything, but if I look at at the color picture of yourself, I may say, oh, maybe he's having too much ham, or, you know, he's, yeah, he's, maybe he has a cold, or he didn't sleep for a few few weeks because he's pale, so we see all, all kind of information that is not related to what we are, you know. So uh, the, the color of my skin, if it's pale or if it's dark, or if it's, it doesn't relate to, to, to my character. So black and white gives that. You know, you, see, you seem to see through the people, and I, that's what I like uh, personally.
0: Francois Brunel, thank you so much.
2: Thank you very much, and um, have a good day.
0: Francois hopes to put together a book and traveling exhibit of his lookalike photos. If you've found your doppelganger and want to take part in the project, check out youlookalike.com. And that brings us to the end of this week's Cityscape. My thanks to producer Rashida Winfield. I'm George Borarchy. Or am I George's doppelganger? Who knows?